You are now tuned in to Built to Quit, a podcast where I talk with and dig into the stories of Black entrepreneurs and their journey to full-time entrepreneurship. Be sure to tap in every other week to hear distinct perspectives and lessons learned from Black entrepreneurs who created a blueprint and business that allowed them to leave their nine to five, but in a way that worked for them, their family, and their finances. And now for this week's episode. Hey, good people. Welcome back to another episode of Built to Quit. I am, as always, in a good place this week and looking forward to today's guest, Stephanie Austin. I have connected with so many incredible women um, and people in general by way of the Twitter. And Stephanie is one of those people who I've connected with indirectly. We tweet each other, we, you know, share resources. And so I'm really, really happy to have her on the podcast today to talk about just her experience. Um, Stephanie is a full-time entrepreneur, but the way she got there is just a little different than how some of my other guests have, you know, found their way um, into entrepreneurship. So really quickly, Stephanie Austin is the CEO of Black Girl Group, a full service and event employee staffing agency that connects men and women of color to companies seeking to hire diverse talent. Stephanie, welcome. I'm so happy to have you today. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. Let's just jump in. First question I always start with is, Stephanie, take us back to your very first job and one thing that you learned from that experience that you carry with you today. (laughs) Okay. So my very first job, I was 16 years old and I worked at McDonald's. I was actually a cook and most people find that to be completely hilarious because when I was 16, I didn't even know how to make grits in the microwave. And so for me to be a cook at McDonald's was just completely outrageous. Um, but yeah, it was my first job. And I remember very clearly, I begged my mom and dad to let me work at McDonald's because I thought that fast food would be the easiest job. And what mm. I quickly learned is fast food is one of the hardest jobs you will ever have in your life. I have so much respect for people who work in fast food because you have to have patience. You also have to be able to be super efficient. And at 16 I was none of those things and I remember (laughs) it's funny because I will never forget this story and it's probably why I hate eating at McDonald's to this day is that on my very first day I dropped an entire bag of fries on the floor and I remember very clearly my supervisor told me sweep it up because you're wasting money and you're going to put the fries in the grease and the grease is going to keep the fries. No, <laughs> not the fries from the floor in the hot grease. Don't worry about it because the, the germs will be killed by the hot grease. <laughs> she told me that. And I was just like, what? And she was like, yes. And you're moving slow right now. And time is money. And so I was just like, sweep up these fries. And I put them in there knowing that like, this is completely disgusting. And I take two things away. I know you said one thing, two lessons I learned that day. One, don't eat the fries at McDonald's anymore because there's a chance (laughs) you could have been dropped on the floor. Um, But the other lesson that I learned was that time is money. And, you know, I continue to take that on with me even today. Like I have to be very intentional with the time, not just, you know, at work, but just in life in general. Like at the end of the day, you can't go around intentionally wasting people's time. And I try not to do that. I try to value people's time and and just know that anytime someone's taking time out of their busy schedule to talk to me, I need to treat it at the currency that it truly is. Yeah. Time for me is just, it's one of my biggest assets. It's one of the things to your point that I just value so much for so many reasons. So let me first of all say that I think McDonald's has the best fries out of all of the (laughs) fast food establishments. And even though your story low-key grossed me out, I feel like I'm still going to 
go and buy french fries which is so weird but um, (laughs) (laughs) thank you for sharing that story I would love to hear about your last full-time role and if you can you know help walk us through what that looked like and how it led you on down this path to entrepreneurship yeah so my last full-time job I was working um, in public relations in heating and air conditioning which was not sexy at all Uh, the majority of my background has been in entertainment PR. And so I was used to like the glamorous side of PR, but to go into heating and air conditioning PR was a big jump for me. I remember at the time I was managing about 85 clients by myself and they all had to be touched. So if you're in PR, you know that, you know, clients have to have certain levels of touch points. And because I was the PR person for this HVAC agency, it was my responsibility to make sure that all of those clients got placements and that I had conversations with them on a weekly basis. And it was a lot. I mean, Jasmine, I remember at one point I was working about 18 hours a day. And I know there's only 24 hours in a day, but I was working 18 and I had a newborn at the time. And I remember going to my supervisor at the time and saying to her, this is a lot, like 18 hours. And she was like, well, I'm working 23 hours. So you figure it out. And it just blew my mind because I'm like, wow, like she doesn't have work-life balance and I'm not going to be able to have work-life balance either. And so I was super stressed out. And I remember going to bed one night, my hair had started to fall out, by the way, just from all the stress of working. Might I add, I also worked from home at the time. So you would think that like working at home would be low pressure But I was just as stressed working that job, working from home that I was, you know, me actually being in the office. So anyway, one night I remember praying and asking God, like, what am I going to do? Like, what's next for me? Because this is not it. Like, I'm not in a healthy place at all. Not to mention, you know, life in general was just hitting me really hard. And so here I am dealing with personal issues, but then also dealing with work issues and just trying to find the balance. And so I remember that night I went to sleep and I had a dream that I was going to be laid off. And I remember the exact room I was sitting at. I remember the weather that day. I remember the conversation. And I remember when I woke up the next morning, I told everyone, I was like, I'm going to be laid off. And they're like, well, what makes you think that? And I just felt it so strong because I saw all these details in my dream. And what I do know about God is that every time there's been a major shift in my life, and I'm not talking about baby things, I'm talking about major shifts in my life. I've always dreamed about it before it happened. And I feel like the reason why that happens for me is because I'm a firm believer that God loves me so much that he wants to warn me so that I'm prepared versus being blindsided. And so I I started to think, okay, I'm going to be laid off. I'm going to be laid off. I knew it so deep down. I told everyone, everyone else just brushed me off and said I was overreacting. And sure enough, about two weeks later, I was laid off um, of my job. And I was sitting in the same room that I had in my dream. The weather was the same. It was raining. I remember the conversation. And I had so much peace whenever it finally happened because I didn't feel like I was anticipating it anymore. And I remember, it is so funny now just looking back, but I remember when I was fired, I remember, you know, my supervisor at the time saying, you know, are you okay? You seem so calm. Like, do you need anything? You know, do you need a moment? You know, we're here for you. We'll support you. You know, if you need a a reference letter in the future, just let us know. I'm like, no, I'm fine. And she's like, are you sure? It was almost like she was expecting me to respond in a different way. I'm like, no, I am fine. But the reason why I was fine is because God had already showed me what was going to happen. And so it, it would have taken a lot to get me sidetracked in that moment. And so again, you know, after that happened, you know, I told my family what happened and 
I remember going home and still trying to figure out what I'm going to do next. Because I was going to ask you in your dream, did God show you that you'd be an entrepreneur? No, not in that dream. So first there was the warning. And so then when I was laid off, I had a dream that night. Um, and in that dream, I kept seeing the words black girl group. Now, I would like to say that I immediately went and like started black girl group after having that dream. But I'm a very hard headed person, which is also why I believe that, you know, things have to have to happen to me the way they do. Because for so long, even when I had the job, I kept getting the option to quit, but I wouldn't quit um, because I liked having the control of knowing I had a stable income. I liked knowing that I had a job. And in a lot of ways, like our jobs become our identity. So when we have that stripped away from us, we don't really know who we are. And so I didn't quit, even though I knew that God was kind of pushing me in that direction. And so I like to tell people, I didn't make a leap of faith. God pushed me into faith. And so During that time, that night, you know, after I had been laid off, I had another dream. And in that dream, like I said, I saw a black girl group. I was like, okay, God, if this is a sign, I need like the lights to blink twice or something to fall to the sky. And like, I know that sounds crazy, but that really is my personality. Like, I'm just like, I'm not going to do this. You know, if pigs fly, then I'll do it. Like, that's my attitude. And I know God is over me at some point because it's just like, she does not listen. And so the lights did not blink twice, but I kept having the same dream over and over again. And then one morning I got up and I was like, you know what? Let me just see if the domain is available. So I'll buy the domain. So I'll I'll halfway obey. And so I bought the domain. The, The domain was available. I bought the domain. I told my dad about my dream and he was like, you know, it doesn't sound like a bad idea. And I was like, okay, well, you know, can you give me $300 so that I can invest in getting a website for this? And he was just like, Okay, so he gave me my first investment to be able to actually um, create my first iteration of my website. And I continued to look for full time jobs, because again, that was not going to be my moment to, to start a business like how crazy is that to start a staffing agency when I don't have a job. And so I kept applying for jobs. I went on about 150 job interviews and got denied for all of them. Wow. And I think after 150, I kind of got the point, like, you know what, this is not working for me. My family needs income. My severance package is running out. I've got to do something. And so I hit the ground running and I started going out and doing outreach, cold emailing people, asking them to support Black Girl Group, not fully knowing, you know, what Black Girl Group would become. But because of my background and PR and my background and, and being able to just help people in general find great opportunities, Lots of creatives were willing to join Black Girl Group, and there's no cost to people who join Black Girl Group. And so I had the idea, if, if you build, they'll come. So as I built up my list of creatives, I was able to then start reaching out to companies, asking them if they wanted to hire. And this was completely a God thing. But I remember my very first client um, was a company called McKinney Advertising, and their client was the Super Bowl. And they needed a, a black creative director to come in and help with the Super Bowl ad. And so that was my very first contract was working with McKinney Advertising to find a creative director for a Super Bowl uh, project. And to have a huge conglomerate in the advertising agency take a leap of faith on me when I had just started my business really proved to be a game changer. And plus to be able to have the NFL behind me also helped build up my credibility as well. And since then, you know, we've continued to hit the ground running. 
Let me ask you, it sounded like I want to go back to, you know, you, you were laid off. I want to go back to the early, early start of black girl groups. So I love that, you know, the name came to you, right? That was a gift that was given to you. Um, You mentioned something that, and it seems basic to us, but it is basic and it's still very important, but you mentioned two things. You secured the domain name and you put up a website. Can you just talk briefly again and thinking about people that are completely new to entrepreneurship the importance of, of getting that domain name and even just having that, that web presence. Can you just talk about um, why those two pieces were important for you at that, at that time? Oh, it was very important because if you don't, well, in my opinion, you know, securing the domain name and then creating the website made it real for me. As long as I did not have the domain, as long as I did not have a website built, there was no way I was going to take myself seriously. And, you know, even I'll take it a step further. It did take a little bit more time for me to do, but even registering my business as an LLC, that made me take my business more seriously. And I know like there are so many business owners out there who start businesses. And honestly, I think it's it's a bit of a defense mechanism, or maybe I'm just telling on myself, is that sometimes you don't want to make the website. You don't want to buy the domain. You don't want to register business just in case it doesn't work out. And so then you don't have to deal with the, the embarrassment of cleaning it up later on if it doesn't work out. Or you don't have to deal with people saying, oh, what happened to that little business? Because, you know, that's what they call it. Whenever you're an entrepreneur, <laughs> that little business. And so we don't take all the steps to legitimize things out of fear. And so for me, just to be able to, to get the website, to get the domain, those were big steps of faith for me. It may, like you said, it may seem small to some people, but those are the big things that you need in order to say to yourself, this is something that I am publicly committing myself to, whether it fails or not. I love that. And I love that you framed it from a perspective of how it really just kind of helped validate you um, and your needs, because oftentimes we associate it, which there is some truth to also just like having a web presence for clients and customers. But going back to your point, you know, as being an entrepreneur, we, there's so many opportunities for us to operate in fear. And that there's things that we can do to help us navigate those fears, such as, right, taking these steps that really um, secure and validate and add structure to the things that we're going after we may fear. So I love that you, you, you gave that perspective again, of just how it made you feel. And it just also, I'm sure, you know, kind of held your, you held yourself accountable because now you're like, oh, I got a whole ass business out here. Like I got to like do something. The next thing you mentioned, which I thought was awesome was, was outreach, um, reaching out kind of cold emailing. Can you just talk a little about that as well? And just some of the things you did, like, what did that look like for you? Did you just, you know, put up an email and say, go to my website. Did you send an email and say, Hey, let's connect. Can you just talk a little about those outreach kind of tactics that you use? Um, Cause again, it obviously opened some doors for you, as you mentioned, the opportunities that came about once you, um, started, you know, actually doing some outreach. Yes, I love talking about outreach because I think that's the part that nobody ever tells in their story is how they get clients. You know, you hear people say, oh, I have this client, I have that client. Those clients typically, I mean, for some people it does, but they don't typically just fall out the sky. For me, I am obsessed with outreach. Like, I am not exaggerating. I will send out, you know, maybe 500 plus outreach emails a week. And literally, you know, I have a template that I follow introducing myself, what my business does. And then at the end, I say, you know, if you would like to learn more, here's my calendar link, you know, let's set up some time to talk. 
And I'll send that same email out to 500 plus companies every single week. And then if I don't hear back from someone next week, I'm following back up with them. But that outreach is critical because if you don't reach out to people and tell them that you're there, they're not going to know that you're there, you know? Mm -hmm. And for me, I serve a very niche audience. You know, I have men and women of color, you know, within black girl group who are looking for jobs. And then on the flip side, I have you know, companies out here who are struggling in the area of diversity. And so I'm trying to let them know, hey, we're here. You don't have to struggle with diversity anymore. We're here to solve your problem. But I can't assume that they're going to know how to find me. And so I make it my priority to go out and reach out to them. And, you know, some people say, oh, well, you're crazy. You know, you're wasting all this time sending outreach emails because what if they don't respond? Well, what if they do? You know, I'm willing to take that risk because, you know, as I mentioned earlier is, you know, now I'm a full-time entrepreneur. And so there's a lot on the line for me and my family, but there's also a lot on the line for the people who depend on me to help them find jobs as well. And so in a lot of ways, I feel double the amount of pressure because I'm trying to help not only my family, but generations of other families as well. And so I can't afraid to be worried about you know, who may or may not respond. I just have to focus on what the end goal is. And that is being able to help people who look like me who've been locked out of opportunities. Yeah, that outreach, I mean, it's it's marketing, right? It's it's huge. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you're absolutely right, especially in our space of just, you know, there's a lot of, you know, groups and tweets and things that we follow and people do not talk about that outreach piece and just how essential it is to your business and to your point, right? If people don't know that you exist, like, Clients don't just, you don't just say I'm open for business and people just come knocking on your door. That's not how anything works, not how life works and not how business works. So yeah, 500 emails. I feel like I definitely need to step my game up in that area. Um, And I want to call out that like doing outreach is, it's not easy. It's very uncomfortable to say, hey, because what you're saying, at least how I I see it is what you're saying is, hey, I need work. (laughs) (laughs) I mean- Right. And we do. And it's a way, and, and, and we're not just saying, you know, I need to work hiring you for anything, but, but there's a, there's a level of um, uncomfort that I believe exists when we start talking about how you sell your business and market and outreach. So it's, it's really encouraging to hear that it's something that you want, enjoy doing, but spend so much time doing. And I think that again, entrepreneurs who are trying to figure out how am I going to grow and scale, how people know that my business is actually open outreach. Stephanie said it, you know, you got to put in the time and it's, it, it, there's a lot of work that goes into that. Um, I want to ask you, Stephanie, at any time, did you think about doing a business plan? Did you have a business plan? Would it, you know, kind of creating the services you were going to offer? How did that structure become if you did not have a like formal business plan? Okay. <laughs> Cause I don't have, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't have a business plan and most entrepreneurs I, I talk to don't, but I get, I just, I like to just ask people to explore that. Cause I feel like people always, I have people reach out to me and said, Hey guys, I want to connect with you. I want to start a business out. I, I need your help with the business plan. And I'm like, girl, first of all, I'm not writing your business plan. I don't even have one, but I want, but, and I, I, and there are some things that are important, but I just want to hear from you. Did you at all have like sit down and write out a formal business plan or do you have one today? Okay. So one thing first, I I meant to mention this part with outreach. There is a website that I want to share because, again, I'm a firm believer in sharing resources. Yes, resources. Um, I I don't have a referral link or anything. I don't get anything for saying this, but it's just changed my life. And so maybe it'll help someone else. There's a website out there called Apollo. And the website is actually Apollo.io, A-P-O-L-L-O.io. 
There is a cost, but the cost is not super high, but I use Apollo to do all of my outreach. And literally what it does is it gives you the email addresses to every decision maker at any company you can imagine. And so I use that for my outreach. So I'm not having to dig super deep in order to find email addresses and contact information. It gives it all to you within that platform. Um, It also tells you who's read your emails, um, how many times they've opened it, when to follow up. I mean, it is just completely amazing. No, that's a dope dope resource. Thank you. And we'll make sure we include that in the show notes as well, just so people can actually go and and research. I'm going to look it up this afternoon. So thank you for sharing that. Yes, you're welcome. And then in terms of a business plan, I do not have a business plan. (laughs) And I'm glad that you admitted that you don't either because I'm always embarrassed because I feel like, Everyone has a business plan except for me, um, but I don't have one. I don't intend to create one. And I mean, again, it's just because for me, starting Black Girl Group was not a part of my plan. And because it wasn't a part of my plan, it wasn't something I was able to plan for. It's like I got thrown into this. The dream came to me and then I just started executing. And before I knew it, you know, so much time had passed by. And it's like, oh, you don't have a business plan. But then on the flip side, it's like, well, I'm doing fine without it. So, you know, what's the point now? And so, you know, in a lot of ways, I've started to become more of a go with the flow kind of person and just see what happens. Because what I've discovered in life and in business is like whenever I get super stuck on the details, that's whenever things don't go the way that I want them to go. And so I'm like, you know what? Obviously, my plan is not working. So let me just go with whatever the plan is that life has for me. And some people, you know, depending on your personality, that could be very unsettling for you. That was unsettling for me initially. But now I'm just like, you know what? At the end of the day, we can't control this thing called life anyway. I mean, you can plan to a certain extent. But I mean, I think even as business owners, even without a business plan, we know what our end goal is, which is to bring in income and to be able to serve our customers. We all share the same end goal, whether or not we have A, B, C, D, E, F, and G planned out. I mean, it just depends on the individual. And for me, that just doesn't work right now. And so, no, I do not have a business plan. And there's no judgment to the people out there who do or for the people who don't. So, No, that's that's just, again, I love to just hear different perspectives. And, and, and no one is saying you don't necessarily have to have one or need one. There is a need, right? When you're looking at right. like funding, particularly through a loan or through a bank, they may right. require it. But I think what Stephanie and I and some of my past guests have all said is like, this life is so fluid that, and it doesn't mean we don't have things written down, right? I'm sure we all have, you know, we know what our core capabilities are. We know what our values are. We know what our business models are. Those are all things that are part of that plan, but sitting down and like writing out this concrete from, you know, one to 50 page document, like ain't nobody got time. You just, we really don't. (laughs) No, no, literally you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Stephanie, curious to know at any point you've been in business for how many years now uh, as a full-time entrepreneur? Since 2016. So how long is that? 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Oh, this is year six. I didn't get a chance to celebrate year five because of COVID. But yes, it's this the sixth year. Congrats. Cause you know, stats say that small businesses don't last. I think it's more than is it a year or three years? I think it's yeah, even think the stat it's, gets lower. A year. Yeah. yeah. And then the stat gets lower and lower when we look at like for women, for black women. So congrats right. on on sustaining six years. At any point in your six-year journey, did you ever think about going back and getting a full-time job? Mm-hmm. Plenty of times. I've tried, and it just didn't work out for me. So, <laughs> let, me just, let me just stay on the plan, you know, that God has for me. But I have thought about it, and I think, well, let me take a step back here, because I think this is also worth noting. For me, a lot of times, 
when people quit, I'm going to say people quit, not laid off. A lot of times when people quit their jobs, I think social media gives this false perception of what that looks like. And a lot of people get the notion that it's easy. It's not. It is not easy at all. And I will be the first to say that once my severance package ran out with my job, I applied for unemployment because I needed to be able to sustain as I was growing my business. And I'm, you know, and I'm just completely honest about that because, you know, I don't want anyone to listen to this podcast and say, oh, well, she got laid off her job and she started her business and things were just great off the gate. And they were not, they were hard. It was very hard. But what I will say is that one, don't be afraid to, you know, open up yourself to other part-time opportunities. So like for me, even now, you know, with Black Girl Group, I don't have as much time to do it now, but I do still operate as a PR consultant on in the, on the freelance side. And so that helps me during the times where, you know, maybe staffing is really slow for Black Girl Group. You know, one of my clients right now on the PR side is the NBA. And so that helps, you know, me, you know, on days where I just need something a little bit different to help shake things up a bit. And so I don't work full time, but I do want to remind people that whether if you quit or if you're laid off, don't be afraid to freelance. Like freelance is actually something big that Black Girl Group also promotes because as we see with the current job market, lots of people are, you know, are hiring, but then there are also lots of people who are hiring only freelance and gig workers. And so, you know, don't be, don't be afraid to freelance and then allow that income to help you in your business because practically any area of life can be used as a freelance. But yeah, sorry, I know I went on a bit of on a tangent. But yes, I have considered going back to work full time. I'm not in that place now only because the job market is so hot. So my business has been doing really well. But there are times where it does get hard and, and you start questioning yourself and you start questioning, you know, is this business for me? And I want to say this too, Jasmine, is that if someone who's listening, if you feel like you need to go back to work, it's okay. Like it is not a sign of failure. In fact, I actually feel as if, if you make the decision to go back to work, because that serves a greater good for your life or the life of your family, that's a success because that means that you are able to recognize your current state of mind and your current financial state, and you are able to make a very wise decision. It doesn't mean you have to shut down your business. It just means that you have to do what you have to do in order to take care of the needs that need to be met in your life. Yeah, thank you for for saying that. I definitely feel and have been there. This is my second time having quit my full-time job. And so the first time I was single mom, I still am. My son is, is older now. He's in college, but I was, he was much younger. And so, right, to your point, you have to do what's best for you and your family in the moment. Um, it doesn't mean that when things get hard, you should just, you know, that should be your first reaction necessarily, because adversity happens all throughout, whether you're making millions of dollars or right. you're making, you know, a few coins. So thank you for just highlighting and calling that out that it is okay to go back to work a full-time job if that's what you need to do. Um, And you can continue building your business while you do that. But one thing you also said that I have embraced this year is freelancing, right? Where a lot of us are, it takes a lot of time to build a profitable, sustainable company. That just, it is what it is. And so like many of us, everyone has personal needs, whether you're single, you're married, you have a spouse, a partner, children, relatives you're taking care of. And so that that's real, you know, that's real. And so for me, I've embraced this idea of I can freelance and use some of the other skills I have. Some of them work well with my company. Some of them I, I keep separate, but I know that 
I have to make sure these basic needs are met for the for the responsibilities that I have. And so thank you for just mentioning the idea of, of freelance. And it's it's something that I don't think enough founders, to be honest with you, talk enough about how they sustain. I know I will say for our community as Black people, as Black and Brown people, you know, we don't always have the resources financially, no matter what the service package looks like, it runs out, right? Where I think some of our other colleagues, mostly white, right, come from a longer line of wealth and financial resources that allow them to just quit and just figure things out as they go. So I just want to also encourage anyone that's, you know, thinking about it. I mean, the financial piece is huge, right? It's probably the number one reason why people do not decide to just jump into it and run their business. People are scared. How am I going to make money? How am I going to live? But again, just knowing that you can still freelance, you can still make money and live. You may have to sacrifice some things, right? Like I can't get my nails done every four weeks like I used to. It's a sacrifice that I decided to make, but you know, there's some other things I can do because I am able to, again, use some skills to make sure that if my company is not, you know, bringing in business the way I, I would like it to this quarter, I can still, you know, kind of get into grind mode. I know that's the word we're trying to not use, but get into that grind mode of just like, let me do what I got to do to make sure that these, that this rent and these bills get paid. So thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, no, that, that is real. I mean, cause I, I've had many people, cause I'm also a single mom and I remember, you know, people used to ask me all the time, like, well, how are you able to be a founder of a business and you have to raise your child and you have to take care of yourself? And I was just like, it's not all through my my business that you see. Like, I also consult. Like, I'm never going to be that person who's going to lie to you. And like, oh, yeah, yeah I, I'm. that's just not how I'm wired. Because once I realized, you know, that freelancing was an option, I was mad that no one told me sooner. And then when I started having conversations with founders, both black and white, they would say, oh, yeah, I consult too. I'm like, nobody ever said anything. Nobody like, talks about that. <laughs> no, nobody <laughs> talks about that. All this time, I'm scrolling through Twitter, I'm scrolling through Instagram, and I'm thinking everyone, you know, either got, you know, crazy amount of investor money or somehow or another, you know, got all these opportunities to be able to, to work salaries within their businesses. And all along, we're all doing the same thing. No one's just talking about it, so... Um, you said you're a single mom. How many children do you have? How, what are the ages? So I have one child. Uh, she is seven. She'll be eight in June. And Shout out to, to all of us single moms doing it because it is, it's a job in itself. <laughs> yeah, it, it actually is. feels like three jobs at once. Uh, yes, yes, it, it is. And it, it's been quite the journey, but you know, I have to always remind myself, you know, to whom much is given, much is required, you know, and are there days where I'm just like, whew, this is a lot. Yes, it is. But, you know, I, I feel, well, my dad often tells me that God puts certain people in certain situations because he knows that we will push through and at the end still be able to give God glory. And I'm sorry, you know, I know that all religions probably listen to your podcast, but my relationship is with God. And so like, I have to always, you know, give a shout out to the person who sustains me and keeps me from going crazy and but yeah, yeah, shout out to us because it is only by the grace of God that we're able to make it. So well, I I also um I am a Christian and I do believe in God and he just I believe that um one, he's given me this calling of entrepreneurship over my life. And so I definitely also lean into him and on him on the good days, the bad days, the in-between days. And so I am um right there with you. But I believe for those who are not believers, it's okay too. And I would just say find something to believe in because you're gonna need it to be able to, yeah, <laughs> to make it, whatever that 
belief looks like for you, like find something to believe in and hold on to it because, uh, you know, as we know, just that belief system, there's just one to me, there's no way I would be where I am if I have not leaned into my faith. So yeah, I don't, yeah, I just, we'll, we'll leave that there. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's talk one more one more area that I want to address with you, and then we will wrap up. Can you share a little bit about your first slow season in business? Um, I like to call it the dip. I'm actually reading this book now called The Dip, um, and we you know think of entrepreneurship as kind of this this wave, right? Where there's things where it's we're riding high, it feels good, invoices coming in, clients paying on time, and then like sometimes there's just you're in this really low point. Uh, where nothing's happening. Can you share a little bit about your, maybe one of your first or most recent dips and just what that time looked like for you? Yeah, I would say it was the most recent one was whenever the pandemic first started, which I think is probably for most people, but it was frightening. Like I remember very clearly, what was it? So we're in 2020. When did the pandemic start? I'm stuck. Is that is it 2020? Yeah, listen, I feel like I, I, I'm always trying to figure out. It was 20. We're in 20, 2022. It's 2020, right? 2020. Yep. So I remember towards the end of 2019, my business was on a high. We had just ended a very large music festival uh, for P. Diddy, both in L.A. and in Atlanta. And I mean, I was like, oh, my gosh, like the opportunity was just coming left and right. Um, I had signed on to do Coachella. I just really felt like 2020 was going to be my year, which is what everyone, you know, I think everybody thought 2020 was going to be their year. And so in March, I just started getting emails after emails because at that time, my business was really growing on the event staffing side. And so, you know, around March, I started getting emails about all the festivals that we had booked being canceled. And so I really like started panicking not only because I knew that my business was losing income, but I was also panicking because I recognized that there were so many people who depended on me to give them opportunities. And so not only did I feel like, even though I know I can't control what happened, I felt like I was failing myself, but also I felt like I was failing so many other families who now would go hungry because all of our events were getting canceled. And so then on top of, you know, events getting canceled, people started saying, well, we're going to have to lay off so we can't afford to hire any new employees. And so, I mean, that's my business, you know, staffing is I'm trying to give people jobs, but now there are no jobs. And so it was tough. I mean, I'm not even going to lie. It was tough because, you know, for me, I didn't know really what to do. And so what I ended up doing was I went into a mode of service because I knew at some point my business would be back up again. And so I needed to figure out how can I serve my community until things get better. And so I started applying for grants. And so through applying for those different grants, what I was able to do was I was able to send out not a ton, but I think I sent out about a hundred gift cards for grocery for like $25 to be able to help a hundred families be able to get groceries. There were random times where I got other grants where I was able to pay for lunch for people or pay for coffee, just little things here and there. Um, there were people who reached out to me, said they felt like they were going crazy and they needed someone to talk to. I'm not a licensed counselor, so I was able to connect them to free mental health resources. And so again, just being able to provide those services for those within my community, just to let them know, hey, I can't be there for you financially in terms of providing you with new opportunities, but I can help you in the other areas that you may be struggling. So if you need a tutor for your child, because you know perhaps you can't pay for it and online school is kicking your butt, here's a free resource for online tutoring. So just being able to be 
a true service provider during that time. Um, and then also, you know, like many other people, I applied for a PPP loan. I got denied. Um, and then eventually I got approved for it. And so I didn't get a ton of money, but I was able to, to use the PPP loan to help me sustain my business for a little bit. And then again, continue to apply for grants. And then I, I went on pandemic unemployment assistance. So I'm, I'm actually based in North Carolina. And so in North Carolina, they had something called PUA, which allowed business owners to be able to get a level of unemployment. And so that was able to help me sustain. And, you know, I remember telling some of my friends, like, well, you know, that doesn't make you feel embarrassed to go and get, you know, unemployment assistance. I'm like, no, everybody needs help right now. Nobody's thriving. Like, I would be crazy to let my pride get in the way and stop me from being able to get the assistance that my business needs to be able to survive this pandemic. And so all the resources that were out there, I took advantage of those things. And, you know, was it tough on me mentally for a while? Yes, it was because I felt the weight of the world on my shoulders. But of course, you know, now that we're coming out of the pandemic and I'll even say, you know, midway through the pandemic, once the stuff happened, unfortunately, with like George Floyd, that actually benefited my business because, you know, we focus on diversity and inclusion. And you saw all these companies taking these big stands on DNI. And so they organically started reaching out to me because they needed to be able to save face in a lot of ways. Um, we'll just keep it real. They need to be able to save face. And so they hired me. And so that helped revive my business. Um, and then since then, you know, we've been going up, up and up. And I share all of that to say that, you know, as business owners, like you said, there will be dips, there will be peaks and valleys. But the thing is, is that if you're down today, I mean, life can change just like that. Things can change. Doors can open up for you. And you could be down today and literally be up tomorrow. Um, we're all just one opportunity away from everything changing. And so even if you are experiencing a low in your business, now is not really the time to give up. Now is the time to figure out what resources you can tap in to sustain until your up period comes and just keep pressing through. I mean, that's all I have to offer. You can't give up because if you give up, you never know what could have been awaiting you on the other side of that valley. So, Stephanie, I'm in awe and amazed at you right now because you leaned completely into how can I be of service to other people during a very difficult time, um, not only for the world, but for you and your business and your family. So I give you your flowers and applaud you for thinking of how you could help other people in the midst of your own how do I help myself? I, I I have not heard many people personally that I know say that they looked out for other people in that way. So I am amazed by you, sis. Um, and again, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna actually send you some flowers because <laughs> I'm inspired and I just think it's a great way to approach those dips and those valleys of you know, we can say, you know, look in your business, what can you do? You know, why why you have some extra time, but the fact that you like completely did something completely opposite, focused on the greater good. I just think that's, um, I just think it's amazing and incredible. So thank you. Thank you for, for, you know, leaning into to service and not into self first. Thank you. I want to wrap up. One thing I like to do is ask all my guests is to just share, you, you've shared so many wonderful things, but to just give us one last thing to hang on to again, thinking about um, maybe a single mom who is, you know, has this, this desire, um, this ambitious goal to, 
you know, also own a, a PR or any type of service base, which we know is very different from product-based business, but just as like, how do I start, right? I don't make a lot of money or I don't have a lot of money saved. You know, what's one thing you can just offer as kind of a takeaway, particularly to that woman um, yeah. or guy, but I want you to speak to the sisters right now, um, <laughs> that is really just trying to really figure out how the hell do I make this move at this moment? Yeah, I'm going to steal from Nike and say, just do it. I mean, don't worry about the how, the when, the why. You know, I think we get caught up in the details all the time. Don't worry about those details. Just do it. Because if you continue to make excuses for why you can't do it, it's never going to get done. And just do it and just watch what happens, you know. So for for you, you know, if if you say, well, I don't have a ton of money, maybe just do it means actually verbally starting to tell people the business that you want to start. Or maybe you're just do it is going out and buying the 99 cent domain, which by the way, domains can be 99 cent. That could be your just do it move. Or maybe, you know, your just do it is creating a, a page on social media. You know, whatever that looks like for you, just do it. Do something. You know, every day you have the opportunity to make one step that gets you closer to your dream, whatever that is. So just take that one step every single day, rather big or small. It doesn't matter if it's a big step or a small step. All those steps are still going to get you to the same end goal. But my challenge to you is to just do it. Just do it. I am here. I'm here for that. I'm also here for Nike. Nike is actually one of my favorite brands. Another conversation another day. But (laughs) (laughs) um, Stephanie, thank you so much for your time and your energy and your insights and your transparency. Um, How can people stay connected to you to learn more about the work that you do? Well, you can reach me at my website, www.blackgirlgroup.com. My email address is stephanie at blackgirlgroup.com. And if you ever have any questions or, you know, simply just need even career advice, I'm always an open book because I feel like we're stronger together. Please do not hesitate to reach out to me. I am always available and I do mean always to answer any questions you may have. So you know, don't worry about social media. I mean, social media is a great tool, but if you want to reach me, the fastest way is through email. So I'm available if you need me. Thank you. Thank you for, for making your time available to, to our listeners. Um, again, we'll make sure we include your email, website, social media handles, all that will be included and the link to Apollo, the resource that you mentioned. We'll make sure those are in the show notes. And so um, as always, people, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you got whatever you needed out of this conversation. I certainly got more than I had planned to get. So Stephanie, thank you for just encouraging and inspiring me as I too am still on this journey of trying to figure out what do I do? <laughs> what, what do I do this week? Where's the business? Um, as always, good people, may you be inspired to know if this is what you want you to can quit and you will be okay. Until next time. Bye. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, there are a few things I'd love for you to do. Subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, but most importantly, share it with your community. Thank you again for listening. And remember, you were built for this.